everybody. Welcome back uh, to yet another episode of The Tight Beam. Before you listen to our um, Season 6 wrap-up episode, uh, we kind of wanted to touch base with you. So I'm kind of going to hand it over to Fred and Andrea um, to say a few things before uh, we get into the episode proper. Yeah, so I'll just jump in. Um, just wanted to drop a little PSA, public service announcement, um, before you listen to the episode. Um, as you know, we probably uh, we would like to record a lot of our episodes and have them in the bag so we can drop them day and date or whichever. And uh, with the pregnancy and whatnot, we knew we were going to be away, so we pre-recorded a number of things. So as you listen to the episode, um, things have changed. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're just going to jump right in and let you know that um, we did lose the baby uh, a few days before um, her due date. So that's something that um, we're still working through. It's very emotional and very raw at this point. So um, we didn't want to cut out any of the the, the intro where we do talk about um, our baby as we're excited for her to come and we didn't want to to spoil any of that. So please um, enjoy the episode. Um, enjoy our excitement. We were excited for her to come. We don't want to, to cut that out. So we'll leave it in the episode and um, uh, thank you for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of The Tight Beam. And I know I say this a lot, but this one really is a very special episode uh, for a few reasons. But we'll get into that in just a minute. First, let me introduce my co-hosts here. As always, we have Andrea. Andrea, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Very excited to talk today about just the wrap up of season six and what else? I don't know. I'm I'm very glad to hear that you're you're doing good because yesterday you were dying and I was dying yesterday. <laughs> yes, I I got my booster shot and um you know it's it's hit or miss. The first time I got the vaccine I was fine for the most part. The second time I was legit on the floor in so much agony and pain and then now with the booster I was knocked out. Like I mm-hmm. just migraines I had the chills I had fever it was not pleasant no pile it up with me being pregnant and achy in two weeks before babies do it was not nice no it doesn't doesn't sound like it was no but today I'm feeling much better I was able to do a lot of things around the house and um I'm so glad I'm right now not working yeah and we are also joined by Fred. Fred, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. Much better than yesterday. Yesterday I had to deal with an eggy wife all day. Whoa. <laughs> just You kidding, said that live. <laughs> I was not naggy. You are blessed with an amazing you had, wife. You had the man cold yesterday. <laughs> oh, no, not the man cold. <laughs> I will never be as bad as you with a cold, oh, okay? Yeah, I, I do know, remember but... the last time Fred had a cold and I heard all about it and just how terrible Fred was. <laughs> Hey, 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 we're picking on Adria right now, not me. <laughs> hey, she spotlight. is about to, look, she's two weeks from popping, okay? We kind of got to be nice to her. Exactly. But what do I have to go through? Oh, man, this is rough. Whoa. Uh, yeah, I'm trolling. I'm sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> no, things have been really good. We got our booster shots, um, like Andrea said. Uh, she got hit a lot worse than I did. Um, I got a little groggy, sore arm, nothing, nothing serious. 
Um, I'm on two weeks holidays as soon as baby's here, so we're excited. Um, it's coming up pretty quick. Yeah, party time. That's that's part of what I meant. Like, this is a very special episode because it's our season six wrap up, but it's also our last episode for the baby comes because we're gonna do a podcast maternity leave. <laughs> <laughs> Um, we're going to take a little bit of time off after this so that baby and also, uh, y'all can read Leviathan Falls. And you know, what's nice is that like, we were able to wrap up season six, Mm -hmm. like bless this child for not coming any any faster. (laughs) Um, so, so I'm pretty happy that we're able to wrap it up and yeah, the next time that we talk, um, there will be our new co-host and we will be able to talk about the book. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if um, we talked about this last episode, but um, I was asking you for advice on what I should do uh, for the book reading, and I decided to go back and reread books six, seven, and eight before starting book nine. Um, so I am deep into book eight now. Woo woo, book eight. That's one yeah. of my favorites. And it's really funny because, like, he listens to the audiobooks mm-hmm. so he'll wake up and then he'll go to the washroom to go shower and I can hear the story while I'm like trying to struggle to get out of bed <laughs> um, motivation <and> exactly yeah so I'll hear snippets of it so I guess I'm also caught up while he's <laughs> caught up too I mean hey whatever works you know Whatever works. So we will be back to talk about uh, Leviathan Falls at some point. Um, We just, eh, some things are are more important than a podcast. Uh, Respect. (laughs) And their new book is also going to be dropping soon. I believe that's the collection of the short stories. Yes, in March, we're going to get the final short story as well as all of them for the first time in print form, except for the one that's in the role-playing game that is a role-playing game exclusive. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Very important because they're still asking. (laughs) Answers no. And that one's called Memories Legion, the Complete Expanse Story Collection. Yes. Rumor has it the short story itself is called Sins of Our Fathers, which I think is very interesting, and I can't wait to see who that's about. Yeah, um, and supposedly, supposedly it's something Daniel's been like trying to write about or tell like some sort of weave a, weave a tale uh, for years. And so this is his opportunity to, to tell that tale. So interested to see what it is. It's really interesting because I think that the last episode of Dexter's Dexter New Blood is Sins of Our Fathers. Whoa. Yeah. So you think it's about a serial killer. <laughs> I want to see finale uh, title. No, I think that it's, yeah, Sins of the Father. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, God. Yeah, so. Oh, no. I guess we're exposing all the daddies. (laughs) (laughs) All the daddies, serial killers. What do you know? It's serial killers all the way down. Well. We we've we've gotten all that out of the way, so I think it's time to give the people what they want. Let's talk about season six. So, 
how about we start, I, I forgot to put this at the beginning. I thought I'd put it at the end by accident, but I don't think it's there either. So how about we start with our overall impression of the season now that it's behind us. Um, we're going to come back around to the x-ray content. I know we didn't talk about it, so people might want to hear our thoughts on it, but I want to start with the meat. You know what I mean? I want to start with the season itself. So with the season behind us, having seen it multiple times, tell me what you thought of season six. I mean, overall, I was really impressed with the season. Um, I, I thought they did a really good job in telling the story in six episodes. Yes, episode six is a bit longer, uh, which I do appreciate. But I, I do wish that they were able to expand on it a bit more. I really think this would have benefited from 10 episodes. But I appreciate what we got. Um, I will. I, I a lot of people were like, "Oh, this is going to be another Game of Thrones," um, and I'm. I think it's safe to say that it kind of, kind of put a middle finger to that whole entire mm -hmm. statement. Um, I think it they did really well with the time that they had with the episodes that they had. Um, a lot of CGI went and visual effects went into creating, um this um this season and i thoroughly enjoyed it the only parts that i was very iffy about were the ones in laconia um because it just felt like they were adding extra things um and leaving that world a little bit too open um so maybe this is an opening to do more with that particular storyline without the original Expanse crew. We'll wait and see um, what happens with that. They're leaving it up to the potential. Um, but I have seen that a lot of people just wanted more focus on the characters that we have grown to um, love and care about the last other five seasons. But overall, I, I was pretty happy with how it ended. Yeah, I honestly, for what we got, season six was real good. Because um, obviously all of us want, you know, more episodes. All of us want more time. Um, but the way the... Mm, trying to think of, The way the rocks fell... Um, too six soon, is too, what, soon. too soon, too <laughs> soon. Uh, six is what we got. And... Um, it's six more than we could have had. That's what I always say every season. Yeah. It's it's X more than we could have had. Um, and, you know, there are parts that felt a little lacking um, or that didn't feel exactly earned or felt like it could have been touched upon throughout the season, but was maybe touched on at the beginning and then touched on at the end. Um, you know, there's a lot of interaction, more interactions I wish we could have gotten that we didn't get. Um, but I didn't feel the way I felt when Game of Thrones ended. <laughs> I know we keep bringing up Game of Thrones, but it's the closest, you know, approximation we have. But the, the difference here is, and this is an important difference. Um, Ty has kind of hinted before that they could do the show in six seasons. And this kind of... While it does feel like Amazon canceled the show, to be quite honest, and obviously I don't think that'll ever be confirmed or denied, it does feel like they canceled the show, but they were able to at least negotiate a way to end it. Um, the difference here is that it wasn't like the writers were like, no, we can do it. We'll do it in two seasons. 
just give us two more seasons because the difference was HBO gave those writers a blank check and they said, no, we can do it. And they easily proved that they could not do it. Um, They didn't have the ending. They didn't have any of that. There's a couple of things that The Expanse has that Game of Thrones didn't have. Uh, It has the open ending of the book in which the season is based upon. Mm -hmm. Um, And it is a a closed loop, but an opening for more. Um, They had the same writing staff nearly. I mean, all the credited writers this season are writers who have written multiple episodes or wrote the books. Um, And you have the fact that like they know where they're going. Yeah. They know what story they're trying to tell. They, they don't need, they don't have to, (laughs) they don't have an ending that they know and they have to guess how everybody gets there. Like that's not, that's not necessarily the same problem. And to be honest, like even though um, we got a a nice and well-rounded season, it does deviate a little bit from the book. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things, a lot of characters had different fates. Um, and, and part of me, it was like, and I don't want this to come off as like bad, but like, I kind of wanted the fate of some characters to be the same, Mm -hmm. but I'm also glad that they got a different ending. Mm -hmm. Um, but it shows that there was some form of like, support and direction when it came to this um and i the the writers have always had a lot of say in how they want the show to be read mm-hmm. yeah i mean i and i did have the same reservations too i thought laconia was one of the weaker things from the season and so it's unfortunate that it felt that way to me because then we spent time on it that could have been spent strengthening things that were already stronger. And that's, that's disappointing to me. Um, I know that they probably like, like you said, wanted to keep that open for the future. Also, a lot of people did complain that season five focused away from the proto molecule, which I mean, the show was never really about the proto molecule. So I think like dictating what it should be about when it wasn't about that to begin with is kind of, I don't think that's correct. Um, I don't think that's how it works. Did we all forget the robot that knocked Holden? I mean... My boy? The yeah. crab? So, I don't know. I think that was enough. <laughs> proto-molecule. Leave my, so, leave my crab out of it. <laughs> the proto-molecule was still stolen. Yeah. And it's still out there. So, there's yeah. still that open-ended piece. There's still everything that's happening on Laconia. And there's still that menace that's sitting above... Uh, in atmosphere in Laconia. So there's a lot more um, that could be explored for the protomolecule in that storyline. Um, I think it would have been a nice touch to, it started with the protomolecule in season one. It could have ended with that story, but uh, they didn't have the time or the space to, to finish that much of it. Mm-hmm. So they ended it where they could and they left it open. And uh, I think that leaves a lot to be said because now they can bring in more story if they wanted to there's still a lot of opportunity and it leaves something to the imagination. There's nothing wrong with that. Oh, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but there is, I will tell you this, uh, having read some replies to like my tweets asking, you know, what people are looking forward to in the finale. Almost everyone said that they're going to announce more immediately. And I kind of don't like that 
you know, it kind of feels like there's an immediacy to this open ending that they gave because they've said time and time again, like, there's nothing planned right now. We don't have anything planned right now, blah, blah. But people are reading into this in- this open ending and honestly did not like how the credits ended either to, like, to give lean more into that idea. Um, it's just kind of like it's mixed messages for people who want hope. And obviously there's nothing wrong with wanting hope or wanting more expanse, but like the way it's kind of planned out, it just feels like a little bit of a tease. Yeah. Shannon, rebellions are built on hope. Oh my God. (laughs) We're going to come back to Star Wars, by the way. Don't think I forgot. Um, But I just like, I don't know. I just don't, I don't think the Laconia storyline was strong enough to, like, I, I understand why it's there. I get it. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I personally was not as big a fan of it as I could have been. Um, and I, it just, to me, a lot of times just felt like it was taking away from the other stuff that didn't feel built upon in the main storyline. Watch what's so, going to happen is that, before you continue, it's going to, when the credits roll and everybody's watching, it's going to say, um, Holden will return on another that's what i'm show. that's what i'm scared is gonna happen because it hasn't aired yet and i'm gonna say all this i'm gonna have to cut this out it's gonna be like a freaking marvel movie like yeah the rasinante will return in xyz that would be so funny i would die this would be gone i'll tell you that much if we never get a continuation of this story i agree this laconia piece in season six was a waste of effort and energy and they should have focused on completing the soul story or they could have had it contained to one episode i think is kind of what sure i would have been happier if the laconia stuff was contained to one episode because i would have been more comfortable with it i think i think the fact that it was the opening to every single episode when there's main storyline stuff that isn't being completely addressed is a little frustrating i've seen a lot of people say that Like, I'm here for the Rossi crew, and they're having all these conflicts, and I don't know how they're going to get wrapped up, because you haven't talked about this conflict since the first episode, and now it's the finale. You mean to tell me that I could have seen Amos and Bobby (laughs) working up a storm instead of Laconia? Like, why? (laughs) Well, or the fact that, like, so, so I saw somebody on Twitter talking about how in the panel for New York Comic Con... Dominique talked at length about how Amos and Naomi were going to finally work on their relationship after what happened in season three. They talked once in the first episode and once in the last episode. How is that doing it? Like that's, that's what I'm, where I'm coming from. Like you open up a conflict in the final episode or in the first episode, and I'm expecting it to kind of be built upon so that by the end, we have, like, a satisfying conclusion to that arc. And instead, it just got dropped in the middle and brought back at the end. And and the same with Clarissa. Naomi barely talks to Clarissa. They have their conflict on the first episode. She talks about her feelings about it. It doesn't come up again. They talk once or twice in the finale. And all of a sudden, Naomi's like, okay, we didn't see her work through that. We didn't. So it's just a little. I, I can understand the frustration with Laconia. And a lot of people have said, like, maybe if you contained it to one episode. Or something, it would have been a different story. But because it took up time in every single episode, and then a lot of other main storyline stuff felt lackluster, it's kind of it kind of makes you question whether it was worth it. And to me, I'm kind of on the fence. 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I think yeah. without getting more story in the future, again, um, the Laconia pieces probably didn't need to be in there at all. So they could connect um, all the soul system story pieces better. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we're ever going to see this. I'd love to be a fly on the wall um, over the, the writer's room and whatnot and how much was actually cut Mm -hmm. uh, from this season um, yeah. and then again in the editing room um, when they're putting this together uh, I, I think they probably recorded a lot more and mm -hmm. lots was was cut for for time yeah but I mean I still love the season like do not get me wrong I still love the season I thought the finale was excellent um I I like it's just one little hiccup to me like oh, it's not yeah. it didn't ruin the season like i don't want people to come out of this thinking like i hated the season i hated laconia blah 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 no um, i agree i, agree I also you. was yeah and i also was just disappointed in the utilization of duarte as well like he just stands there in the finale he don't do nothing like and i know it was supposed to be because you know you're not supposed to know who duarte is i'm not going to go into it but it's like he didn't have any lines in the final episode if you're going to cast this character who is well known to book readers and is kind of important I feel like he should have something to do. And I don't know. There's just stuff about it that just felt strange. And I don't hate it. And I know they wanted to bring in the protomolecule stuff to keep the, the door open and, and all that stuff. I don't hate, like, I get it. 100% understand it. I just think right now where we're at, I'm kind of more in the camp of the people who only watch the show and were like, why? <laughs> But in a nice way. But in a, in a nice way. Why? Um, doesn't ruin my enjoyment of the season. I still think the season was great. Uh, and I, I understand, you know, they had constraints of six episodes. You know, there's only so much you can do. But I do think the Laconia bit kind of dragged it down for me. Um, but I still had a great time watching the season and, and kind of seeing how everything shook out as as we worked our way through it. And I think it's important for us to reiterate the fact that, like, we are saying that we didn't like the Laconia part knowing and having read the book. Mm -hmm. That it's not because we're we're new to the show and uh, have not read the books. Like, we know what's coming with Laconia. And, and it was a little bit disappointing to have that be part, like, not a big part, but uh, a... a a part in the episodes that took some time away from yeah. other things that could have been covered. Yeah, just to go over so little content for Laconia in season mm -hmm. six is just a taste of what is to come. Mm -hmm. um, if you were to read the books and to not have a season seven, they're not doing it justice. So it just should not have been included if they're not going to go forward with it. That's just kind of my view. I don't know. I, I found it. I enjoyed it for what it was, but. Mm -hmm. Only as a teaser to what should be coming, but we may never get it. Yeah. And, like, I know a lot of people are going to come at me because people love Laconia and, like, whatever. I mean, I'm not... I Book 8 is one of my favorite books, but I'm not fully in love with the final trilogy yet. Like, I just haven't gotten there with the final trilogy yet. Um, so maybe it's just because I'm not... I don't really care for Laconia or the arc as much as a lot of other people do. So like, you can come at me if you want, but at the end of the day, it's, it's my feelings and my opinions and me having them shouldn't, doesn't hurt anybody. Um, I felt like I wanted more time with the characters and people I love, not 
a ton of new stuff that may never see closure. You know what I mean? Um, so that's just me. You know, obviously, I'm not going to tell people how to feel. A lot of people really love the Laconia stuff because they love the final three books. More power to you. Um, just me. I was a little disappointed. Uh, I was excited for its in- inclusion at first, but then as I was watching, it's like I don't, I don't know if I'm on board as I thought. So. Yeah, one of our good friends, um, she's in the same boat as you. She did not care so much for the Laconia pieces, mm. uh, and she just chose not to continue reading the books, and she's contained her expanse <laughs> world too. You didn't tell me your friend was the dog. Yeah. <laughs> so she's contained her uh, expanse realm to just the, the first two trilogies. Yeah, I keep them separate in my head. And I think part of that is because of the time jump. And I feel like I lost time with these characters. So, like, I feel like they're not the, the characters that I loved from the first six books. Um, but, I mean, I, I still think there's a lot of wealth in there. I Like I said, I love book, love book eight. Uh, I think book eight is excellent. Um but I don't know. I also was kind of disappointed by the final book, uh, but I'm not going to talk about that right now because obviously you guys haven't read it. Um, but yeah, the final trilogy just wasn't quite it for me. So I, I I keep them separate in my head and I enjoy them separately. And I, I'm definitely a bigger fan of the first six. Um, and, and book eight. <laughs> I'll keep stressing it. I love book eight. I think that being said, I think I'm a, the biggest fan of the the original three books, the first trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. Uh, between the second and third trilogies, I, I think I haven't finished it yet, so I'll have to hold reservations uh, before I yeah. make my opinions. But um, the second one was quite good, and I'm looking forward to, to wrapping it up in um, book nine in a couple weeks here. Yeah. couple weeks. That's ambitious, Fred. Well, I went through. <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew looked right at the camera when I said that. I went through books six and seven over the last four weeks. Right. So if I finish book eight in the next week or two. Oh, I just mean we're not going to be talking about it in the next two weeks. Oh, no, no, no. I mean me listening to it. I don't <laughs> yeah. care about talking about it at the moment. <laughs> she, looked, wanna... she looked right at the camera like a. Excuse I just want to consume the content. <laughs> no, nah, I understand. Anything else that you want to say about your overall feelings about the season? Yeah, it's our opinion, and you can't fight us about it. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, <I> Whoa. <laughs> He's, like, right next to you. He can do what he wants. I I did really like season six for what it was. I, like I said, still love it. It didn't ruin anything for me. Still love the show. It's still my favorite. And, again, I think the final episode is incredible. I think it's one of the best... Uh, science fiction episodes I've ever watched ever. Anything that can move you with that much emotion, Shannon, is is speaking speaking the truth. He says that because I've I have not been able to make it through the finale a single time without crying. Um, we'll see what happens tomorrow when I watch it with a group. Uh, see if I can make it. I can't wait to see how many people because they've heard how many times I've cried. How many people try and watch people me instead of the episode? Oh man. <laughs> Well, I'm probably going to tweet, like, because, you know, I get to finally be like, can't wait for everyone to see the final episode um, and talk about how much I cried. So we'll see. We'll see. Well, let us know how it goes. <laughs> we'll do. Um, all right. So let's get a little more specific. 
let's start talking about the different uh, character arcs that we had. We'll we'll try to go through these fast as we can. We have a bunch of main characters this season, but it's a short it's a short season for everybody. So let's start with the man, the myth, the legend, the resigns halfway through a speech, James Holden. So uh, Holden kind of had an interesting kind of backseat arc this season, um, but boy, did he have a terrible time. Um, so what did y'all think of uh, of Holden's arc? Like, what did you really like about it? What, what did you want more of? That kind of thing. This is kind of a cash chat sesh. Oh man. Um, okay, so Holden, he came he came a long way from like dealing with like the the, the big items. Of course, was you know <laughs> blowing or dis- disarming that nuke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was a big issue or a big um, conflict that he had, and of course he couldn't bring himself to kill Philip, right? Um, despite Marco. But then he he lied about it, or he hid it, or he wasn't honest about it and upfront about it. Mm-hmm. I think if he was honest and open and upfront about it, it would have resonated a lot more. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like Holden wouldn't have kept that to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always the one about telling everybody everything. So either his character has come a long way and he's now a little bit more reserved. Maybe that's what they're trying to get at, but it just felt a little out of place that he would have not shared that that information with his family. Mm-hmm. I think that um, Amos and everybody would have accepted that a lot easier if it came out right away. I, I think that I agree with that. I feel like a lot of the times he has been righteous and he's always been able to fall back on what he believes is right. Um, even if people don't agree with it. Um, we saw it in season one, like he made so many decisions that, I mean, Amos almost killed him for um, because they didn't see eye to eye on it. Um, but I think that there, there has been a lot of pain and trauma also for Holden that makes him also question his own decisions, even though he's always going with his gut feeling and what he thinks is right. Um, I'm kind of happy that the season was not all Holden-centric. It was more about building the alliance between um, the Earth, the Martians, and the Belters. Um, But it was nice to see that even though Holden has been through so much in the last six seasons, he has still stayed true to who he has always been. Um, That he is always thinking about everybody else but himself. Um, and I really have enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, hmm. Trying to think of where to begin here. Um, there's a lot of tension that Holden has to navigate in this season that Book Holden did not have to navigate in the same storyline. Um, number one being the loss of of Alex kind of tightening everything around him. Um and I think that's, you know, that's had to change a lot of his decision making and his um, how he handles things compared to like what we're used to. Um, 
which sucked. Let me let me tell you, I felt bad for this guy when in the first episode, he had two the two people he loves most in this world back to back both tell him that they were this close to leaving. I was like, dang, this guy's really having a terrible day on top of the fact that he almost died. Like it's just he's just trying desperately to to do his part. And do Alex's part. And it you can see how it much of a strain it creates in him. Like, first of all, Steven confirmed uh, he lost weight to make Holden look like he wasn't sleeping or eating once again. Um, and you can you can see it, he's carrying a lot of stress because he's trying to do his job and Alex's job, and you do a worse job at both <laughs> if you're not focusing on one or the other. And not just that, but like early in the season, what were they, 180 days into yeah. well, a policing role? Like, you, you can't just, you can't just do that. You you need downtime. Yeah. And I mean, he's holding the whole entire world on his shoulders. The whole entire universe, to be yeah. honest. Which is a very holding thing to do, of course, but. Yeah. it's He's just straight up not having a good time. And I think, you know, part of the reason why. For the first time, he keeps a secret. I can't. I can't get over this. In, in book five, it's the first time he kept a secret in the books, and it was just as funny to me as as, as saying it now in season six. Um, I mean, well, I guess in season six he kept a secret too, but it wasn't like a big deal secret, uh, like it was in the book. But um, you know, I, <laughs> I think he would have told them eventually, but obviously Clarissa kind of threw like a monkey wrench in the works and kind of just <laughs> told told Amos first. Really the, the best person, the one you should always tell your emotionally charged uh, discoveries to in every single situation. Um, and so, you know, obviously a lot of people didn't like that that scene was so aggressive between them um but at the same time i i do kind of understand holden wanting to tell naomi before he tells amos like i think that's i think that's fair yeah fair fair of course but fair 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 um so again when we were talking about how aggressive amos was towards holden they're out at sea yeah using air quotes for 180 days amos is getting weary the whole crew is on edge towards each other just like if you were with your family for the holidays Mm -hmm. you can't stand them after a certain point of time and you need to go to port and um you know go spend some time in the way that amos does to unwind um be it either have a a fist in his face or putting his in someone else's or Mm -hmm. I'm getting scratches and glitter put on and Mm -hmm. a couple drinks, whichever. So being, being out for so long, yeah, you'd expect to have conflict. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I thought, I thought Holden's moments of like calm in all of the tension were some of the best scenes he's had in the whole show. I mean, I've been begging, dying, pleading uh, for, that that kind of gentle Holden that you get, you know, in the books. And here he is kind of forced into that, not forced in that role. He takes that role upon himself because like, like I said, Alex isn't here anymore. So he's trying to care for everybody and not at all for himself. 
And so you have like these these really beautiful scenes, like the ones he has with Naomi, where he tries to talk to her about her feelings or get her to open up or that he really cares about her feelings, even if she doesn't want to talk about them or having these really great heart to hearts with Clarissa about how badly she wanted to kill him once. Um, you just have these like really great moments of him like connecting with people throughout the the season that I just thought were really nice um, and really well acted. Every single one of them, everybody was doing such a great job, um, and it was really nice to see. And then it, it culminates in like <laughs> in in Avicerala trying to force him into a leadership role that he like yeets himself out of, um, so he can just go because. One of the things I really loved about Holden and, and Naomi is that they just want to, like, live. Holden and Naomi Amos just want to live, you know? They just want to be out here in this world living. They don't want anything to do with, like, the geopolitical nonsense. And so Holden gets roped into the geopolitical nonsense and yeets himself out of it so that they can finally, like, live the life that they wanted to have if it weren't for all these terrible conflicts. And it's... It, it was a really great scene to see play out. It was nice to kind of hear that he secretly worked with Drummer on that. His his mortal, his one-sided mortal enemy. Um, just a really great, really great arc for him. And, and he gets to finally, as I said in the last episode, ride off into the sunset and just let himself take a chill pill. Just relax, yeah. bro. Because just well, he calm has, down. He has been living for everybody but himself. And that's that's the problem. Like he, from the very beginning, it has always been about everybody but Holden. Mm -hmm. And it's nice that he's able to stop being so selfless and be more selfish. Yeah. It's it's time for it to be about him yeah. and Naomi. Like stop thinking about the next thing. Stop thinking about what happens next and just like live in this moment. And yeah. I, I just really love that. That's what it closes out with him on is Naomi saying, like, can we just sit here together? Because, like, they don't really get that opportunity because everything's terrible all the time. And now the war's over. He's not president of the transport union. No one's trying to kill them. Can we just, like, finally be us and relax? And he's like, you know what? After six seasons? You got it. Anything for you. I yeah, just really like that. I love that play between uh, Holden, um, Drummer, and Avicerella, mm -hmm. uh, and how that all played out. I think that's very, very typical Holden. Um, you tend to believe that he's going to run it because um, he was put there by Avicerella, and he, he can't say no to her, but mm -hmm. he does, and you love him for it. And for absolutely the right reasons. Anything else about, excuse me, anything else about Holden, his arc, anything? He needs a cheeseburger. <laughs> Somebody feed that man, please. I'm, I'm glad that he stayed true to who he was all these seasons, despite everything he saw. Yeah. Everything he went through and he still was a good person yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. Really wild. I will say this. Keon was saying that he was running a GoFundMe to to support Holden's everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so maybe he'll get him a cheeseburger. Fantastic. Real good. So uh, since we were just talking about her, let's talk about Naomi. What did you guys think of Naomi's arc? How you feeling about it? Pros and cons, etc., etc. So beautiful. That's it. 
Yeah. There it is. <laughs> he did it. Case closed. Case closed. Yeah. Case closed. I, I think she suffers the most in this season overall. Um, just uh, knowing how Marco is um, and how her original connection with him and the movement and her creating the, the bad code for the, the bottle um, and how many people are that that's killed and how that sparked this whole push from Marco uh, over the time mm-hmm. to her son. And um, she feels that she has lost both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, even though she may hate Marco today, but she used to love him enough to have a child with him and mm-hmm. uh, that life there's, there's a lot of, uh, pain that she has to endure and just to live that over and over and over again every time she sees him or the ship and the damage she's doing uh, she in part feels responsible for it so i think she owns a lot and you see that in the end when they embrace holding her when they embrace at the end when um, marco does die and she also thinks philip is dead but you see all that tension just release out of her when she does cry. And it's just, it's a really powerful moment when you know over the last several seasons what this is built to. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of sad that, like, she starts off very strong at the beginning of, like, the seasons. But you can start seeing her whole entire self just crumble she does gain a lot of um authority and she does learn to advocate for who she is and she starts to come to terms and be more proud of the belter that she is um but um she does suffer quite a bit and even the the trauma that she went through in season five, you do see it seeping through in season six when she's not able to make the jumps. When she is look, um, she gets the flashbacks of what she's been through, um, and in the end, like I think that she has the saddest ending because she never gets to find out that Philip is still alive. Um, even though it's kind of nice that he takes, um, he takes her last name at the very end um she still lives with that suffering with the knowledge that she was the one that pushed the final button that she was the one that created the um the whole entire plan to kill marco um but i'm glad that in the end like she is able to be with that one person that truly loves and respects her for who she is and is not manipulating her to for an agenda yeah i think that's the beauty of her last speech to holden you know when he says like you know he questions whether he did the right thing in uh resigning from the transfer union giving it to the belt and she says well that's the thing you did it because you're good like you did it because you you hope people do good, but you don't get to know mm-hmm. whether you know how what the outcome is. You don't get to know whether you actually made an impact because you didn't. It's not you know you're not going to ask. That's not why you did it. Well, and, and it's also like raising kids. Like you can be the best person, best mother, and or best father, but in the end, like. They're the ones that decide what they want their life to be. Um, and it, it 
goes back to season five, she gave Philip an out. Mm-hmm. She gave him the tools to know who his father truly was. And in the end, she doesn't really realize what her influence was on his decision to leave the ship. Mm-hmm. She will never probably know how that affected him right. and the fact that he survived and he was able to walk away from his father. Um, yeah. So it doesn't just resonate with Holden and his decision to step down, but it also resonates with Philip and his ability to also step down. Mm-hmm. And I think I really like the placement of this speech. So a similar speech does happen in the book, but the context and the timing are incredibly different. Uh, it's actually before uh, Marco comes through the ring and Holden was doing his little video project. And he says to Naomi, like, you know, does it make, does it matter? Did it make a difference? And, and she said, you don't get to ask that you did it because you were trying to help. And that's what matters. You don't, you know, you can't, you don't get to then like hope you get a pat on the back or whatever. You just wanted to help people. And and that's what matters. And so the fact that they instead juxtaposed it with what she did mattering and having an impact and her never knowing, like not really what she's saying to Holden and not really understanding that it played out at that, like at the ring, like Mm -hmm. she'll never know that that happened. All she knows is that she tried her best to save Philip and she may think that it didn't work, but in the end it did. And that's the beautiful thing. And, you know, all she ever wanted to do was save her son from what happened to her. And she wasn't able to keep it from happening. But at the end of the day, she managed to turn him just the right. Like she managed to turn him in a way that he realized that he had to go at just the right moment. Yeah. And that's what's going to matter. And she doesn't get to know that that happened. And it's terrible. It's tragic that she gets to go on living the rest of her life, as far as we know, not knowing that she saved her son. Mm -hmm. But again, she didn't try to save him because she wanted to be rewarded. She just wanted to save her son from the fate that kind of befell her. Yeah. And in the end, she didn't just do that. She saved his life. The sins of the father. Sins of the father. Her storyline just made me so sad. Hey, from, imagine from... if like the sins of the father will be the uh, Philip story. Oh, maybe. That that's was my what... first guess when I read it. That's my first guess, but I'm I'm hoping we'll see because I know a lot of people were like, "Whatever happened to that Philip Nagata fella?" <laughs> um, you know, it, her storyline started so. Sadly, you know, she's struggling under the loss of Alex. She's snapping at Holden for risking his life after she already lost someone. Um, She's struggling under the weight of having to kill Belters, which same as Holden, like they've both been fighting for the belt this whole time. And now they are literally fighting the belt, like, or at least they're fighting part of the belt. And it's, it's weighing her down so much. And it's especially hard on her because she's always struggled with her identity. And she's always had her identity questioned, um, which Dominique plays so well because she's talked about how she's been through that herself in real life. And you can see this, you know, absolutely destroying her um, to the point where it's like it's affecting her all of her relationships. It's affecting her closest relationship. And 
as the season plays out and she starts to like open up about her feelings because she's always been kind of closed off to Holden because he reminds her so much of Marco um, to the fact that like, she would always tell everyone parts of her story, but he was always like the last person to find out the parts of her story because maybe she was afraid of being judged because he's such a, a good person or whatever. But here we are now, he kind of knows everything and she's finally telling him things as they're happening which is a huge growth for her like because it was so hard for her to open up in the first place and so here we are this whole season she's opening up to Holden even when she's fighting with him she's opening up to Holden and I think part of that is because he gave her room like on the Azure Dragon when she had her PTSD episode and she said I don't want to talk about it right now and he said okay and moved on and waited until she was ready and I think she's seeing all this play out and realizing and, you know, reminding herself, I am not where I was. This isn't what I went through. This is new. And I can be vulnerable. I can be all of these things that I didn't let myself do before. And so you see all these really emotional moments. You see her being completely honest with Holden uh, about her feelings or about like what he does and just this absolute openness so that when that final moment happens and she breaks down, she's breaking down in his arms and holding on to him instead yeah. of like pushing him away. And I think that's just such a beautiful arc for their relationship when she wanted nothing to do with him. And now here he is after a season of, you know, telling her he was there for her and her finally opening up to him. And when he, she needs him the most, he's there and she doesn't push him away. Even though they had that whole conflict where she had to remind him, I chose you. Don't don't question my decision to choose you by trying to undo it now. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just it's so great to see her like open up to people when it was so clear that her pain kept her closed off. It was painful to watch her <laughs> struggle to walk in vacuum, which is like breathing to belters. And that like to feel that pain that she's embarrassed by the fact that she can't do what belters do now mm-hmm. because of what Marco did. And also to see her kind of coming back to Amos after everything that happened to them and being like, I was there for you once and you're there for Clarissa and I'm glad or to go to Clarissa and start trusting her, or even like being glad she's okay. Yeah. In the final episode and then telling Holden, like I saw so much of myself in her and I, didn't give her a chance because I was hurting over my son literally just being just like that. And just to see her open up and and start letting people in again, even though she just lost someone, man, I love Naomi. (laughs) I love Naomi so much. And I, I was, I was cracking up during Holden's speech when she was like, that's my man's (laughs) (laughs) like just to see her now after how she was in season one, Naomi's great. Naomi's my my series MVP, I think, if I had to pick one. Um, I think Naomi's just come so far, and the cats obviously agree with me. They're fighting, but it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, They're fine. And also an honorable mention, we mentioned it earlier uh, in the episode as we were doing the, the introduction, uh, but the, the redemption arc between her and Clarissa. Um, I, I kind of wish they, they fleshed that out a bit more, but yeah. at least it was there, um, which speaks a lot to her character. That was one of my 
my conflicts that could have had more build and resolution some, issues. Some but meat. yeah, I agree. Yeah, some yeah. more meat. Um, anything else about Naomi? No, I think we're we're good. We love Naomi. We love that she finally got Holden to just take a chill pill and sit with her. I bet she's so happy that she can just sit for once and not have to worry about yeah. what, he's getting, what is he getting into now. Like when you hear the when the dog is suspiciously quiet, what is Holden getting into now? Or a child. <laughs> or a child. So let's then, speaking of children, because sometimes he does feel like the problem child to, to these two parents. Let's talk about Amos, uh, Fred's absolute favorite. He's beautiful. Uh, Let's. <laughs> everybody is just going to be beautiful, 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 gorgeous, nope, gorgeous girls. Um, so let's talk about Amos's arc this season. I mean, Amos is Amos, so there's not really a lot to talk about. Um, obviously, seeing him being Mister Badass on on the, I don't even know what you want to call it, the the ring station. Um, mm-hmm. What was awesome to see, of course, as always, um, the moments that he had with Bobby um, for the decompression, I guess you would call it, mm-hmm. uh, stress relief session. Um, that was a good exchange. I really like that one. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know what more there is really to say about Amos. He's just been a solid character from season one till now. Sorry, Hendrix had something to say. Andrea? Um, I do agree. I think that Amos has always been a very consistent character, and he stay, he has always stayed true to who he is. Even when he blows up um, when it comes to Holden's decision to um, undo the, the nuke, um, it is very Amos-esque. Mm-hmm. Um, he's always a man of mission. He doesn't care about who he has to go through as long as he gets the mission done. Um, And he had really funny moments um, that are funny, yet very balanced to who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, And I really, really enjoy every single time that Wes is in the screen because he plays this character amazingly. Yeah, it does kind of make sense that, you know, Amos is so used to just trusting Holden's judgment because Holden is usually pretty confident in his decision making that the one time, the one time Holden makes a decision that he's wrestling with that might not be the right decision. Amos is like, man, I can't be here anymore. I give up. Like, (laughs) I just, I really did find that very funny. I trusted you. (laughs) Yeah. After all these years, he's just like, ah, Holden makes all the perfect decisions. Yes, yes. And Holden makes one. He's like, best friend Holden no longer my best friend friendship with Bobby now whatever that meme is or friendship with Holden ended Bobby new best friend now <laughs> like he just can't <laughs> he really struggles with like the one decision because says okay I had a thought process and it, I was I so badly wanted to make a joke that I, I lost it but you know he's very driven to end the war and and end Marco and get it over with. And you don't really, I don't think you ever really get an explanation from him. Why? Not that you need one. Amos doesn't really ever need a reason. Um, But it could be because of Alex's death. It could be because of what Marco did to Naomi. It could be because Marco almost killed Holden and, and destroyed their home. 
Um, it could be because he just wants things to calm down again for all of them. Like so that they can have their, their normal life. Like I said earlier, it could be all of those things at once, but basically he's driven to, to end Marco and end the war. And Holden makes this one decision that is so strongly built on like emotion and heart and compassion that he's like, well, that doesn't make sense. And yeah. I think part of that is because Holden's also conflicted about it. And so, you know, he makes this decision and he thinks he did the right thing. But then because the war is still going, he's questioning whether he actually did the right thing. And then Amos is like, because he's not, it's not, um, he doesn't have that conviction that he usually does hold in. And he's cagey about the reason. Like, of course, Amos gets angry because Holden is usually full of righteous conviction. Yeah. And now he's spared the biggest enemy they've ever had. And Amos doesn't get it. He can't. And I mean, he does explain it late. He says it later when he explains it to Bobby. Like he he saw Marco. He saw Naomi's kid. And it's like, but when did who told you that? When did that happen? When did you find that out? Because Holden definitely didn't tell you. He told you to F off. <laughs> um, but and he does kind of come to understand that it's not the war. It's the people you love and fight with that matter. That brings him kind of back into the fold and realizing like, yeah, Holden made the wrong decision and continued the war. But he's like my captain and he's like my family. And he's the one I have to protect and fight with and fight for not the war as a concept. It's the people that matter. And so I, I did really appreciate him coming back around. Again, I do wish there was like, Amos is one of those ones where a lot of his stuff that isn't like fun Bobby stuff kind of falls flat because he doesn't get a lot a lot of time dedicated to his conflicts. Um, but I still think it was really great. I think Wes did a great job. Um, I love you know, his friendship with Clarissa throughout the season. I thought um, it was so cute. I, I thought uh, it was so cute. <laughs> I love like them, he, Your he, Honor. I think that the nice thing is that we get confirmation that he's trying to do the same thing that Naomi did for him. Mm-hmm. And and I think that that's beautiful because it shows the growth that he's gone through. That he's not just a, a kill or be killed kind of guy. Yeah. I'm not going to say anymore because he still has that drive. Um, It's all about the churn and whoever comes up at the top. Um, But he is able to understand real connections and real love Mm. um, because of the Ross and Dante crew. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, his new best friend, Bobby Draper. Yeah. Their, Their friendship was really fun. It was really fun to watch play out over the season. I, I mean, I'll come back to this when we get to Bobby. I do wish Bobby were better integrated into the crew because most of her scenes on the Rossi were with Amos. Mm-hmm. And it would have been nice to see her talk more with Naomi, not in conflict, uh, or Holden, because she only had two scenes with just Holden. Um, and one of them was in the finale. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, you know, I do appreciate that friendship that they had. Um, and, and the scenes that they had together, I thought that was really unexpected and nice. And I know, uh, I know it's definitely sailed a thousand ships, uh, for some people. And it, it was just, it was just a, a heck of a lot of fun to see them play off each other all season. So, well, um, 
maybe we could jump into the Bobby arc now and Oh sure, if you want to that out. Yeah, cuz You want to skip I, the queen, be my guest, she oh, won't come for me. The, the queen won't be forgotten. Don't <laughs> you worry. But yeah, no, I pr- appreciate what you're trying to say there because I I saw that as well is that Bobby should have been more integrated into the crew. They were out mm-hmm. again for 180 days. They're yeah. the new family. Bobby has been nicely integrated in and it doesn't really show that other than mm-hmm. um, a couple little tiny specks and it, it yeah. should have been more. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't, she just didn't feel super integrated. Like I, they used, they had all of the history with these characters to kind of build off of which works, but she's just, it just seems so weird that she didn't spend more time with the crew. And I know it's like, screen time stuff and and Naomi was kind of messed up and keeping to herself which that was another thing I didn't touch on with Naomi I'll just briefly say like Naomi keeping to herself the entire season because she was looking into the problems and having problems of her own makes sense for her character but we couldn't have simple asides with other characters to kind of establish the conflicts and the friendships like it just kind of keeps coming back to like we why didn't we focus on the relationships that are supposedly important so that they feel satisfactory by like completely satisfactory by the end without, it feels like when we bring our book knowledge in, it helps us feel better about a lot of stuff. Whereas if you just watch the show and and you're wondering why things don't feel as informed, Mm -hmm. it could be frustrating. And I think that's part of like the Bobby issue is how she spent almost all of her time with Avasarala and Amos so that, she doesn't feel as integrated with the crew as she could have if we had seen more scenes of her with Naomi or more scenes of her with Holden. Just a quick, casual, like, even if maybe they had a scene where they were with another character, they had that conversation with them. Just showing how much they trust each other. Because in the books, the scene where they tell Holden that Bobby's going to be assigned to the Rossi is one of the funniest moments in the whole series. Because they're like, we're giving you a mission specialist. And he's like, oh, no. F this. (laughs) I don't want no stranger on my ship. And and they're all they all start like fighting it. And then Bobby's like, it's me. And he's like, Oh, that's a different story. Welcome to the crew. She's she's family. And like it's so funny because they go from like ready to fight because somebody's getting put on their ship to like, no, no, it's me. And they're like, Oh, never mind. That's that's different. Yeah, she's good. We'll we'll listen to her, no problem. Like it just kind of sucks that because of the loss everybody felt it just felt like they they weren't as connected as they could have felt and so by the time she's a full member of the crew we appreciate it because we're happy to see her be a full member of the crew but it's so quick because it's the end like she gets that one bit with Holden where she's in the pilot seat which thank god she's sharing like uh, either she is the pilot or she's sharing responsibilities with Holden because that man needs a break Mm-hmm. So it's nice that somebody stepped up so he could take a nap, but it's just, it just doesn't feel as cohesive, co- bleh, cohesive as it could have been, which sucks. Cause her arc was great. She was, she came in ready to fight. She was so awesome. So much fun to watch. She's trying to keep Avasarala on the straight and narrow. She's trying to run this mission with a bunch of people who are just tired and exhausted and don't want to fight anymore. But she's fresh in the fight because she's been doing clerical work this whole time. And like, it's just, it, it was such a fun, interesting dynamic to play with. And it didn't feel fully utilized so that we get all these really great badass moments for Bobby. 
But when it comes to like her interpersonal connections, it feels like she's still only really close to Avicerala and Amos. No, I I do agree with that. I I think that it's kind of her still trying to find her place where to belong, and she really mm-hmm. never gets to belong anywhere. Yeah. But she was great. I loved her arc, though. I mean, I, I love Bobby. I, it took some time for me to really appreciate her character, mm-hmm. um, but she has come a long way. From mm-hmm. a, she still can be stubborn, but she's more accepting. Mm-hmm. Of the things around her. Yeah. It's so much fun. She was so much fun to to watch this season. And seeing her be a total like G on the station. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and trying to succeed in the mission no matter the cost. Even though it left them possibly facing their own death. Um, but she did it because that was the only way they could do it. Just, oh man, she's so great. I love Bobby. She single-handedly broke the entire railgun network yeah (laughs) she's so great man i love bobby so much and i i i definitely loved her like her absolute glee at getting to play with holden at the end there on the rossi (laughs) her absolute glee when he she's like oh what does this button do and and holden's like she's joking i hope yep (laughs) just like oh please don't tell me she's a worse pilot than i am just like just really fun and I'm, I'm i'm glad to see her take a place uh on the on the crew of the rasinante and you know somewhere where she like like with naomi somewhere where she's accepted uh for who she is and not you know who she fought for or who she was but who she wants to be yeah and um i have a shirt that has the new rossi crew configuration on it and i'm gonna wear the heck out of it because it says draper Aww. um very oh. very excited so we talked a little bit about clerical work. Uh, Bobby, who who was she doing that work for? She was doing it for Avicerala. So let's talk a bit about Avicerala. What'd y'all think of the queen? What'd y'all think of her arc this season? Avicerala is probably one of my most favorite characters. Mm. Um, more so in the books because she could be more colorful than <laughs> um, she can on television. So yeah. sure, I appreciate that. But Shara uh, just does an amazing job and the commanding presence that she has as, as the leader of Earth and just the way that she carries this character just mm-hmm. blows my mind every time I see her on screen. She She's yeah. phenomenal. Yeah, she's really great. Yeah, as for the arc itself, um, there, there's lots of little moments that I appreciated. Uh, probably the biggest one is that play at the end um, mm-hmm. in between um, Holden and her. I, just that, that betrayal, I thought that was, that was really nicely done. Mm-hmm. Um, and then earlier with the moments with, um, I'm forgetting her name, the reporter. Monica. Yeah, Monica. Oh, I can put her on here. We can tie her in Avicerala. Don't worry about yeah, it. Continue. Yeah. No, I was going to let you guys speak to, to your points. I found it very interesting. There was a little little side pieces here and there where she was injecting herself with some medicine or something. We never get some closure as to what it is. I mean, for book readers, we kind of get to understand what that might be. Um, But it's very interesting that they did put those little snippets in this final season. Um, 
like Fred said, like she carries herself like the queen and and I, I every single time she's on the screen you never know what you're going to get but you know it's going to be fun you know it's going to be strong and she has always been a very consistent character who has also grown um she is not as selfish as she was at the very beginning um thinking about just the earth she tries to bring everybody together and it's super nice to see that in the end like she also reaches a hand to drummer and that scene where they meet um is such a phenomenal moment um and and you can see that she's always trying to be one step ahead of everybody and she thinks she has holden under her belt but she really doesn't um (laughs) and it's really nice because it kind of makes like humbles her and puts her down a peg because he actually Mm. is one step ahead of her um, in the chess game that she thinks that she has control over. Yeah. Absolute. Like she's so used to playing 4D chess that she can't imagine someone outplaying her. I mean, in part because it was multiple people outplaying her. Um, But dang, that was, that was wild. Um, Her story is, like, kind of in the background, too, for a lot of it, kind of like Holden, Mm -hmm. where, you know, she's just, we know what she's doing. She's trying to, you know, win this war, fight this war, what have you. And, um, you know, she's not, like, a military genius. She's not, like, a strategist. So it's not like she can take point and take the front lines in the battle. So instead, we just kind of see her trying to lead through it. Uh, and try and work with their allies and um, to to do what they can. And it's really interesting because, like, we're so used to seeing her front and center playing these chess games and now kind of seeing her having, like, letting, having faith in people, I think, is the best way I want to put it. Because um, she puts her faith in Bobby and the Rossi crew to take care of this super special secret mission. She puts her faith in Monica to kind of get the word out about humanity. And yeah, Monica kind of twists it a little bit into telling a story less about earth and more about everybody, Mm -hmm. but she puts her faith in her to do that. Um, And then she puts her faith in, in Holden to bring drummer in. She puts her faith in drummer to help them win the war. It's less about her controlling things and more her using what control she has to try and um win friends and and alien and uh influence people um kind of having more of a hands-off version of what she's used to putting it more out there than than having her hands absolutely on everything and having faith on people that's the biggest thing yeah and i think that's why the end is so funny because she finally tries to like get her fingers into like, like dig them into Holden's shoulders and make him like a semi puppet. Cause obviously she's, she knows she's not going to be able to control him, but at least he's, he's a variable she knows. So like, she thinks she can like dig her nails into him and like get him to do what she wants. And he's like, psych. Um, <laughs> and, and so she's kind of like taken aback and feels betrayed because like she finally goes back to what she's used to, which is controlling every little thing and maybe give, putting a little faith in the Holden, 
but he tricks her uh, because the right thing to do was to put drummer in charge. Yeah. Um, and you know, she does agree with him and pulls back her influence and decides to give drummer a chance. And so it kind of is the culmination of all the little ways she did it. And now she's finally doing it for the future. And so I, I find that very interesting. And, and I, I really do love her, her cursing Holden out while she, Mm -hmm. while smiling at him so that people don't think she's angry with him. Um, very cool. And I, she's just really interesting to watch this year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Anything else about Avasarala? She's perfect. True. (laughs) It's true. Well, let's hop on back to the Rossi and talk a little bit about the newest crew member, uh, Clarissa and, and her arc this season I liked her being part of the crew I think that she helped a lot in the Rossi crew's growth Mm -hmm. and um, recovery from the trauma that they go through Um, and it's nice that she was able to be redeemed and she has sort of like that Amos storyline where like Amos has done a lot of sinning. He has done a lot of terrible, probably, things. Mm -hmm. And Clarissa has done them, too. But just because you've been such a bad person in the past doesn't mean that you can't rectify that and you can't be better. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I appreciate her story arc. I, I also think that Clarissa played a really good... Um, role as kind of I don't know how to properly say it but um, Holden and Naomi and everyone else on board could look to her and her redemption uh, Mm -hmm. as a way of um, judging how they're progressing as a family or as a a team Mm -hmm. or a crew Um, so just kind of a way of gauging like the more that they accept her and they repair that relationship, um, the better they are as a whole. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I'm I'm at a loss what the what the words are, but yeah, like like a dipstick or a marker or whichever. Yeah, so mm-hmm. uh, litmus test. That's the word I was looking litmus for. Litmus test. You. There you go. So yeah, so I, I really liked her being on that crew. I love that they were accepted. I love that Amos brought her along and didn't abandon her back on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, she comes a long way from just being this um, like destroyed girl to being a full member, strong member of the crew, mm-hmm. um, filling in in every aspect possible, um, and then uh, saving face for Naomi, even at her own detriment. Um, and taking the the licks from Holden later, but then because she did, Holden uh, acknowledges her as a crew member. Mm-hmm. So it's just a really good um, heartfelt moment for her going through uh, and getting that acceptance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, one of the things I've noted before is how interesting it is that, you know, Holden's here kind of taking care of everybody except himself and <laughs> the irony of the person looking out for him and, and his feelings and everything is the one who tried to kill him. Yeah. Um, 
you know, she's here kind of seeing that things are going wrong and she knows she can't fix Naomi and her relationship. She knows she can't fix uh, Amos and Naomi's relationship. There's nothing to fix with her and with her and Amos. Um, but the one thing she does is she sees Holden either struggling under, um, you know, the the weight of the war or, you know, his decision with Philip. And she talks to him. Like, you know, in this weird place where, like, either everyone's really angry or disappointed with him or, like, so wrapped up in their own problems that no one realizes he needs help, too. Mm -hmm. And not that he would ask for it anyway. It's James Holden. Um, she's there to to talk to him and to either, you know, take the watch so that he can go get some rest because he trusts her or... Um, you know, listening to his orders because he is the captain and, and at least, you know, letting him know what happened. And a lot of that was because he was kind of upset that he didn't know what was going on with Naomi. And so him saying, like, you got to let me know when something's wrong. But obviously she wasn't going to rat Naomi out. Um, yeah. She wasn't going to say that something, you know, she she got triggered or anything because she was trying to kind of forge a good relationship with Naomi. Um, And then him making this decision that sets him at odds with literally everyone else on the ship when he already kind of feels like he's not doing so well with everybody on the ship mm -hmm. and being the one who says like, don't feel bad for not killing someone and reminding him that his telling people not to choose violence is what changed her trajectory and that he did that. Um, she saved the solar system because he asked people not to kill each other for once. And, you know, I, I thought that was just such a beautiful scene as well. And that's one of my favorite scenes. So, like, them kind of connecting over that yeah. was really nice. And him hearing that when he needed to. And know, and Clarissa kind of figuring out that he needed to hear that at that moment was really interesting. I mean, she's probably been watching all of these people from afar for the last six months. So she kind of knows these people better than they think they do. And you see that kind of come out when it needs to come out. And it's just really beautiful to see. And so by the end, you know, Naomi wants to give her a chance and really integrate her into the crew. And they're, they're helping her set the table for a family dinner and making her feel a part of the family just as she's feeling like devastated because she learns she's likely not going to live longer than the next five years. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, even in that, in the final fight scene, when she gets hurt and Naomi's the one who runs down to see if she's okay. And when she says, I'm going to earn my keep and Naomi, and Naomi says to her like, well, this is a big, <laughs> this is a big step. Like I, it's just so beautiful to kind of see her really trying her best to do what every crew member needs her to do. And for Holden, it's to remind him that he is a good person, even if he makes decisions that are unpopular mm -hmm. or being there to help fix the ship when it needs it, like Naomi needs, um, or, you know, being the person that looks to Amos and makes him feel like he's helping someone. She's, she's taking those places that she needs to take to connect with each of these people. And by the end of the season, it happens. Yeah. And she's part of the crew. And I just, oh man, I I love Clarissa. I mean, I'll put I'll put it this way. I have a friend who hated Clarissa, could not understand her point of view, could not sympathize with her, blah, blah, blah. 
she watched the episodes and she messages me. She goes, I got to be honest with you. I really love these Clarissa scenes. Aw, that's good. And kind of seeing her trying, like, because it's one thing to read her trying in the books, but it's another to see her trying and see her emotionally connect with these characters yeah. and realize that, yes, she is trying and she does feel guilt and she is trying to be redeemed and maybe she isn't yet, but she's taking the first steps. And that's all that really matters. And I just, I think uh, Nadine Nicole did such a great job this season. Just really good. I think they all did a great job. I didn't say that for each and every actor, but I got to say it for Nadine, man, because she really makes you feel like Clarissa wants to do right by these people who she nearly killed. she's so soft looking, but you know she can be <laughs> deadly. Yep. Um, but yeah, she does a really good job of portraying this this girl that just wanted to make dad proud. Yeah. Um, and she realizes that maybe she was on the wrong side. Yep. And then, you know, this place that she nearly destroyed and these people that she nearly killed and trying to do right by them by fixing their ship, mm-hmm. keeping it running. I just, man, it's, the growth is a circle. It's beautiful. She, she has killed people, but she is not a killer. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's that goes for so many of the people on this crew, you know, because I've thought a lot about um, recently, you know, thinking about the Augustine Gamara and the ship that she blew up. And I think a lot of people forget that before the events of the show, Holden had a similar issue where, like, it was more of a hands off decision. But I'm sure he carries the guilt of it, which is when he realized there was a ship that his the Zhang Feng was going to fire upon he realized the ship was was smuggling people there were like refugees or something on the ship and because it was a belter ship his superiors were like no we're gonna fire on them like they're pirates blah 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 and he ended up being right and a bunch of innocent belters were killed and i he doesn't talk about it very often he doesn't talk about his time in the military a lot because he's kind of accumulated so much guilt over the years but you can only imagine, I mean, he he lost his position in the Navy because he, like, fought um, all these people. Yeah. But, you know, it's just kind of interesting to, like, see everybody kind of be caught in these um, things and, and wonder if he carries guilt like that, too. And that's why he's so willing to, like, accept these people. No, I, I completely agree with that. So, moving on from... Clarissa, if no one else has anything to say, let's talk about the Polyam Belter fam, specifically drummer, but I think we can bring Michio and Joseph into it. But let's let's start with the drummer portion. Um tell, talk to me about drummer. I absolutely love her growth and um just how nicely her story ended in the end. Mm-hmm. Um that she always had the goal to help the Belters, to find them, like, a home, find them a voice. And in the end, like, she she does what she needs to do in order for them to strive and survive. Mm-hmm. And I love her story. I, I think that they did a phenomenal job at keeping her strong, but also showing her vulnerabilities. Mm-hmm. 
she has suffered so much. Yeah. Uh, again, just like Naomi, but she sacrifices absolutely everything so she can keep keep the fight going. She mm-hmm. she gives up her entire family. She can stop at any point and be with them and, and choose to have that life. But no, she's standing up for everyone in the yeah. belt. Yeah. And to do right by the belt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the important thing is because Marco's standing up for the belt too, but he's not doing right by the belt. Right. So her her story is so uh, instrumental for the future success of not just the belt, but the soul system in general. Right. Uh, because without unification between Mars, Earth, and the belt, there's not going to be peace, mm-hmm. especially with uh, the Free Navy and everything else that's happening um, in the other worlds. Mm-hmm. So... Just just watching her play that through, it's it's tough to watch at points, but you have that that rewarding moment at the end where she's able to to rest and be with her family uh, once again. Yeah, you know, you bring up an interesting point um, about Marco kind of fighting for the belt but not caring about the belt. You know, we have those, and we're going to talk about Marco, obviously, but you have his line earlier in the season when he says, like, you know, series belters aren't like us. And it, like, basically implies that they're inners simply because they were raised on series. And Drummer has had her very strong opinions about what makes a belter in the past. Like, she's fought with Naomi about Naomi's identity, um, because she's not belter enough or she sides with the inners too much and things like that. Yeah. But you never question that drummer cares about belters and the belt. Like you never question that when it comes to drummer. And it doesn't matter what part of the belt you're from. It doesn't matter if you're a rock hopper or if, you know, you grew up on a station or, you know, if you're in the belt, if you're a belter, you're a belter. And, like, you only really give that up when you choose to live down a gravity well, I guess, or whatever. But because of that ideological difference, whereas, you know, it's not about the real belters or it's not. Well, first of all, again, she's not like Marco in that she's not a narcissist or she's she's not like only doing it things to, for her benefit or whatever. That's the biggest difference. But mm-hmm. um, she doesn't differentiate belters. Belters are belters. And so when it comes to like series needing help, it doesn't matter that they're station belters, that they lived on a former earth colony. That doesn't matter. What matters is that they need help and they're belters and she's a belter and she's going to help her people. Yeah. And that's the biggest difference between her and Marco and why she makes a better leader for the belt is that she actually cares about belters and she cares about their struggles and, their needs and and taking them into the future in a way that doesn't bring her glory but just improves the the living situation of her people yeah and, and she's another one of those characters who's very like she doesn't care if she dies as long as her people are okay yeah mhm yeah she's willing to die for the for the belt yeah. i mean she was going to shoot, like, um, <laughs> I almost said shoot her shot. Um, she was going to launch the Tynan into the Pella when there was no other way. And hope that her reactor 
you know, going, took him out too. And the only reason she didn't was because Walker did it first. Because like I've I said in the finale episode, maybe he saw that she she was what the belt needed. Like she was a young voice, you know, and he was just some guy, you know, Golden Bow hates Marco. Yeah. And he thought that he would be the better sacrifice. Um, and so she ends up not sacrificing her life for the belt. Um, she was going to sacrifice her life on the behemoth so that Ashford could take over um, and and go lead them because she thought he had a better chance of living than she did. Um, like, we just see her time and time again. Like, my life... Or or when she uh, almost sacrificed herself and her family to save Holden and save the Rocinante so that they could maybe have a chance at saving Naomi. Just time and time again, she she's put herself on the line for her people or at least where she was stationed. And it, it we're just seeing that come full circle in that, you know, she was willing to give up anything. Even her to, family even her family to, to get the job done. And in the end, not only does she get the job done, she works with Holden to ensure that the belt has an actual leadership position Mm -hmm. in, in the new transport union, but she gets to stay with her family because it's peacetime. Now there's no reason for them to be separated if they want to be together. And so now she can take her family in Medina and they can be a cute little Polly Ann Belter mm-hmm. fam on Medina, power thruple of the solar system. Good for them. Like, I'm just, it was really nice to see them at the ceremony because it makes me think that they are, they are staying together for forever. And that's, you know, she gets her happy ending. She gets to be the leader that she deserves to be. Yeah. And she gets to be with the people who love her most. And that's, I she love it. She deserves a happy ending. Yeah. Like, most definitely, hands down, like, that girl has <laughs> suffered. They were like, she's going to absorb all these characters, so she's going to suffer the most. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, at every every single one-off character's worst, me- worst moments are going to now belong to Drummer. All of your trauma belong to Drummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so it, it is nice to finally see her, like, get her moment. And to be able to share it with the people she loves. And like that last look between her and Holden is is really not, I wouldn't say powerful, but it's so meaningful. You know, these two people who have been at odds since season two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, he's he's helped her ensure that the belt has a future. And has a and, voice. And has a voice in that future. And, you know, she takes that one last look at him and and you know, goes right to it. And I just, I love that moment. That was such a powerful moment where like this guy who has been hailed for speaking up in favor of the belt and speaking up for the, like to support the belt is finally truly being the ally that the belt needs. And, and drummer kind of recognizing that for a second before going off to be the leader the belt needs. Cause Holden wasn't the leader the belt needed. He was just the, the support it needed to get to where that that final step mm-hmm. um, by giving up the position to give it to someone who he felt deserved it more than he did. And I, I love that. I love the whole thing. The whole episode with the, with the two of them was so funny. How it started with like her finally complimenting him and ends yeah. with him giving her all the power in the belt. Good for them, man. They've come so far. Well played. 
Well played. Um, so I'm I'm very happy that she finally gets that happy ending that that she deserves. Um, and and gets to spend it with uh, the two people she has left. And who knows? Maybe maybe one day Oksana will come back with Bartold and and it will all be okay. We'll never know. But like the expanse reminds us, like you don't get to know. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that she has what she has when it ends. No, I agree. I think that it was a satisfying ending for her. And in the end, Micho and, um, oh my God, I always forget his name. Joseph. Uh, Joseph, Joseph. Um, are there for her. Um, and she, she, in the end, she's trying to fight for them too. She's trying to fight for a future for them, for her yeah. family, as much as she is for the belt. Mm-hmm. Because she wanted to build something with them. And now she gets to build the transport union with them. Yeah. Well, as Bobby said. You love to see it. You fight for the person that's with you in the hole. So she's fighting Mm -hmm. for the belt. But really, she's fighting Mm -hmm. for her family, which is the belt. Yep. I'm so happy for her, man. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm so, like, all of it. Just every single bit of it. Give her all the power. Give her all the family. Just like let her be, let her live, let her live. Like every single character, I just wanna. Yeah, yep. I just wanna like stand in in front of every character and go, let them live. And the the season six finale lets them live. Just this once, everybody lives. Speaking of everybody lives. (laughs) Oh wow! (laughs) Let's talk about Philip. I mean, we kind of got a little bit of this arc in the last season. So it's kind of retreading some similar ground, but without Naomi there this time, this time he's on his own. Well, so tell me I what think you think about different. Phillips. So in this season we have, okay. Philip was under in the very narrow view of his father and just mm-hmm. his father, Marco. And he was living the dream of what it means to be Marco's son. Last season, Philip gets a chink in Marco's armor, and uh, his, Naomi, his mother, shows him another way to think. Mm-hmm. And you see that conflict in him at the beginning of season six. We don't see it explicitly, but you see it in his actions, his drinking, his disobeying his father, and mm-hmm. that bit of a rebellion, a rebellious streak at the beginning of the season. And then you see that moment where his father says, I put the bombs there before we left. Mm-hmm. And Philip just, you could see it. He flipped. Um, he Philip flipped. He, he flipped. <laughs> he flipped. <laughs> and he was done in that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so his redemption is him leaving his father. Mm-hmm. I like that it was him making that decision instead of him just listening to Naomi and just being like, okay, fine. My mom said this might as well do what mom says for me to do. Um, because it gives him a lot more of that ownership that he won't regret his decision. And he doesn't because he changes his name afterwards. Mm -hmm. He realizes that Inaros is not who he wants to be. Um, and that is a very important and powerful moment. We see moments throughout the season where like, 
where he gives a speech in the the mess hall where he's still his father's son mm-hmm. and he still has that momentum to to potentially be uh Marco's son Filipinaros mm-hmm. and then not an episode later that that turning point happens where he realizes and he sees beyond the facade of his father that hey he's just out for himself yeah, yeah. I mean, and a couple things in there. Number one, the the change of his name is is so meaningful as well because earlier in the season, like Marco specifically says, like the name we share, mm-hmm. yes. and and Philip is like, I don't want to share this with him. Like this is yeah. this is a shame, and just drops it instead. Takes the name of of not only someone who saved him, but someone he can be proud of being related to. Yeah. Um. Number one. Number two. I think he was so affect like. He's so affected piece by piece as the season goes on by his father's like callousness and and how he can just turn off caring about other people. And here we are where he realizes Holden or Naomi disabled the missile. And, you know, he realizes one of them is they've given him a chance and given him, you know, more consideration than maybe his father did. Um, and he doesn't know how true that is. Obviously, he doesn't know that his dad like used him as a trap. Yeah. Um, like he doesn't know that much, but he knows that like someone out there cares enough about him to to save his life. Like he ca- he knows that much. And then you know here he is giving this speech like these losses have to mean something because he's so torn up over the fact that one of the they sacrificed the ability to like win the war by sparing his life so he's like torn up about it mm-hmm. and he's like but we have to make these losses worth something and obviously you know you see him walk out and he's like ooh but then the next episode he realizes the losses were caused by them in the first place yeah and at that point it's like oh no like i i can't i mean he even says to marco like how do you do it like how do you not feel guilt or not mm-hmm. feel like anything about the people we've killed or the people we've lost, and especially series where those were just innocent people. And that's what really finally pushes him over the edge. Like he'd been teetering the whole time. And the the revelation that Holden and Naomi saved him, like tipped him just enough off the edge that when he realized Marco killed those belters, he was gone. Yeah. There was no coming back. There was nothing. And especially when Marco gives his speech, like, you know, we're all, we're bloodied or whatever. And he's the only one not covered in blood that mm-hmm. Philip really is done, you know? And it, it's just so interesting to see that happen. Just see these little tiny chips. At, like he was already, he already had his faith shaken by all the things Naomi said, but now he's seeing the things Naomi said come to life. Like, I know you would die for him, but he wouldn't die for you. And things like that. And he's seeing yep. them all become reality. And yeah. it finally hits him that, oh my God, like she was right. And I've done this to myself. And he finally makes that decision to save his own life rather than do something for his father. And then he changes his name and he becomes an entirely new person. And it's just, man, proud of that kid. What a position to be in, though, as, as Philip, 
mm-hmm. you look at his father. He's Marco Naros. He's the leader of the Free Navy. He has the heart and soul of most of the belt. He has the everyone under his command behind him. Powerful, powerful person. He's thrown rocks at Earth. Um, he's killed millions. So he has that as his father figure. Yeah. And then he has Naomi as his mother figure, who is also a very powerful person. Everyone in the system knows who she is. Maybe not to the point of her father, but or to Holden, but she's she's going to be in you know the top few that are that are out there that are everyone knows and reads mm-hmm. for. So he's torn between basically good and evil for what yeah. it's worth. Um, no one's good or evil, but you know what I mean. Like he he's stuck between both sides of this conflict mm-hmm. yeah i mean his mother was was said to be a hero of the belt because of her work on the behemoth you know yeah. bringing the first uh battleship of the opa to life and then taking it to the ring like he he has a very good pedigree here <laughs> but he's got to choose what legacy he wants to follow exactly and he yeah. chooses his mother's legacy and and part of that is because you know she spared him and I mean, he's also like, he's kind of been tired of trying to kill Holden from the get anyway. <laughs> he's just kind of like, you know what? I don't think we need to kill Holden. I think that's another reason why realizing one of them spared him was so gutting. Was because here he was like telling his dad, we didn't have to kill Holden. Meanwhile, like Holden chose not to kill him. Oh yeah. boy. Oh boy. That's some some heavy lifting like that man wants to be your dad Mm. (laughs) (laughs) like that man is he's literally proving you know to you know the us the audience that he really is what naomi said which is like he is the man you pretend to be to marco yeah um and now philip is realizing like holden is not the man marco said he was number one and number two somebody on that ship thinks i'm worth saving and I I can't live with the fact that I'm still, like, supporting someone who kills. Like, how can I be worth saving if I keep choosing to kill, you know? Mm-hmm. I just, man, very interesting end to his, to his arc. And Adira agrees. So that's pretty cool. And that's if cool. Adira agrees, then it's... Yeah. Then it's over, you know? Accomplishment. <laughs> So I'm really, yeah, the moment he becomes Philip Nagata during Naomi's speech, actually, the first time I cried was when um, he got up as Naomi was giving her speech, when he gets up and walks off the bridge. That was the first time I started crying was right there when she was saying, like, you don't get to know. Meanwhile, like, she has no idea that she saved him. Oh, so good. Good job, Philip. Philip Nagata. I still don't, I don't like Philip. Yeah, fair. Um, I think that he screwed up a lot. But if I like Amos and Clarissa and I can accept them, I also need to accept the fact that he chose to be good in yeah. the end. He chose the right path. Um, so so that's his only saving grace for me. Um, that I mean, he his did first do a lot of bad things. Yeah. He threw rocks at Earth. He needs to go to jail. But he's <laughs> redeemed. <laughs> the, the first two episodes of the season were a little rough with that guy. Like, I know a lot of people were a little disquieted by his introduction. Yeah. It's <laughs> like, oh, is this what we're doing now? 
Um, but yeah, it. I mean, one of the biggest uh, themes of the expanse is redemption, mm-hmm. and um, I. I mean, like, like if Clarissa can be redeemed, if I mean, not that Naomi technically did anything wrong, but she carries the guilt. But if she can be redeemed, you know, if these people can can find redemption and love somewhere, then Philip, who is still so young, probably as young as his. Like, I don't know how much they aged him up or whatever, but he could have been as young as Naomi was when the Augustine Gamara went down, you know, and he was manipulated by his father. He was promised things like he was he was not in a healthy situation to make all these choices. And he realized he's been used as a tool by like a mass murderer, a.k.a. his father. And he chooses to change his his life and to not be that anymore because that that isn't who he realizes that isn't who he was to begin with. And he kind of was fed all these lies about what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And when he has his eyes opened, he can make the the choice. And he does make the choice to to turn back and and try and start over. And I mean, isn't that what we all want? And that's that that's the reason why I can't fault him. Um, for the decision that he made at the end. Yeah, I might not have agreed with him slapping his mother in the last season and Ugh. stuff like that. Um, but he was very brainwashed. And yeah. and you can't blame him for choosing the parent that stayed with him for a long time, even though his parent was a very abusive man. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And who is this abusive man you speak of? That abusive man is Marco. Let's let's I mean, not that he has much of an arc this season, but let's talk about the downfall of Marco and Aris. <laughs> he was his own downfall. Yeah. <laughs> his his jealousy over Holden and like his desire for for power was what made everybody turn their backs on him. Even mm-hmm. his crew, like, yeah, they they rallied behind him, but they really questioned his intentions. I think Sanjuani really spoke on behalf of everyone that was underneath Marco and tried to be that person of reason, mm-hmm. but Marco just was not having any of it. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you talked about how the expanse is a story of redemption arcs. Well, this is one that is not. No. His redemption, no. <laughs> his redemption is he dies in such a miserable way, he yeah. will never be remembered. And I'm glad he died the way that he did, because there was no honor in it. He just yeah. died like a B-I-T-C-H. Like, <laughs> he was so, eated. Yeah. Yeeted and eated. Yeah, like, it was a perfect way for such a cocky and arrogant man to go down. Yeah, he thought he was unstoppable. He was ready to go in. He was like, we're going to go in and take out the Rocinante and we're going to cruise to victory. And he was so blinded that he didn't think that anything could go wrong. It was yeah. his fight to win. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Rossi crew was like, hey, you want to meet some of our new friends? They're really great. <laughs> They're great at dinner. And so he got eaten. He got eaten. That was it. I, I, I mean, Fred and I talked about this before, you know, I, one of the things I loved about the books was the, the uh, dichotomy between Holden and Marco, 
and how it played it very clearly. Like you could, you knew what was going on. You could tell it was, you could see it playing out. And the show kind of took a backseat with that in season five um, with Naomi kind of mentioning it and you seeing bits and pieces of it, but never really seeing it. And season six doubled down <laughs> on all of the parallels, all of the, the, um, the progression from in the story that, that has changed because of, uh, or from one perspective to another, one victor to another. And like, I, I just really loved, you know, us finally getting to see, you know, what Naomi saw in, in these two guys in a way that like made you see that literally the slightest thing is what separates them. Mm -hmm. Like if Holden had been any more selfish, he could have been Marco. Or if Marco had been any more selfless, he could have been Holden. Yeah. But because of their, you know, I guess their career, like how, I guess how they responded to their own charisma and how they responded to their own um, personality and desires and ambition. Um, that's what caused them to go down two separate paths and be two separate men. But to be honest, I don't see Holden as being charismatic. Well, that's the thing. Show Holden definitely isn't as charismatic. And it's interesting that you say that because rem the Remember the Cant short did a very good job of finally capturing the Holden that that draws people in, that gets people to trust him. And it's like, why did we get it in an X-ray short <laughs> at the end of the show? Because that yeah. Holden, so many people have said like, wow. This is the Holden of the books. This is the Holden that that I can understand. Why is why have we never seen this Holden in the show before? And I think a lot of that has to do with like early decisions that they had to work right. through to get us back to the book Holden. Like season three Holden was so much closer to book Holden than any Holden there was before. And I have my own theories for that that I don't know if I want to go into on this podcast. But you know, he, he, in that short, you can see how charismatic he is. He's like sitting drinking with a bunch of belters talking about, you know, a story about him and another belter and they're laughing, they're dying. They're buying him drinks. They love <laughs> this guy and he's just having a good time with them. And that's the kind of Holden we see in the books where people like him because he's just a fun guy. He's a genuine person. He's nice to everybody and he doesn't really want anything from anybody. Right. Like he just, he's just a good person and he's nice to be around. I mean, that's even what drew Naomi to him in the books was how like he just, he could treat anyone with kindness, even if like they wanted something from him and he didn't want anything from them. He mm -hmm. still treated everyone with kindness and respect. And so, you know, it, it he was one of the ones that I think got the worst <laughs> characterization going into the show from the books like i think steven had the the stakes stacked against him but this season kind of really showed i guess more the difference in like ambition how like holden was given attention and power because he tried to help people right. whereas marco took it because he said he wanted to help people but really he wanted to help himself and he um, led with fear and intimidation. Yeah. There's there's two distinct differences between Marco and Holden. One is selfless and one is selfish. Yep. And that's the big thing that distinguishes the two 
characters. Marco thinks of no one but himself. Yeah. He says he even thinks for his son, but he's not. Mm-hmm. He's thinking for himself. And he wants his son to be with him, but only to make himself look better. Yeah. 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 And and because, like, you know, every, like, I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. Like, you think, you look at, like, world leaders and how many presidents, like, have kids and wives and stuff. Like, you're seen as a stronger leader if you are a family person. And so Marco's here, single dad. Look, I raised my son despite my like horrible ex who left us and look at him. He's successful. He's leading battles and secret missions. Like, wow, I must be such a great dad. Mm -hmm. And like improves his narrative. Yeah. It improves his narrative that he, that he has a son that he raised, even if like that son is not a big fan of him at any given moment. Um, And it's just, it's just interesting. Like you, Everybody's there to serve a purpose to Marco, like even his own son. I mean, the the really telling scene was when he was talking to Rosenfeld and he was like, after what Naomi did to to me. After last season when he was like, Oh, she left you, Philip. Now it's she left me. Me. She yeah. hurt me. It's all about him. Like, even if you hurt his son, you're you're really just hurting him, but not in a way that like he's selfless for his son. But like, no, 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 you weren't trying to hurt my son. You were trying to hurt me. I, everything is, I am uncomfortable when everything not about me, like he is such a pain in the butt. Hate him, but he's (laughs) dead now. So it's fine. Um, Keon Alexander did an excellent job though. He made Marco as despicable as, as he he was. He has such a punchable face now. Yeah. (laughs) Poor guy. Yeah. But man, what a goodbye, Marco. I still can't get over when he was like, we're bloodied and he was completely clean, (laughs) completely (laughs) fine, unharmed, perfect hair. Like, I can't get over it. So long, Marco. Naomi beat you in the end, didn't she? Yeah. That's that's the poetry of it, I think. That she was the one that thought of the plan, too. Mm-hmm. And, like, Kill. no one thinks Naomi's a killer. So he never expected that she would be the one to do it. Yeah. And, I mean, technically she didn't do it. But there she is, you know, doing it. Um, and, yeah, it was, like, by proxy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she all she cares about is ending Marco once and for all. And it was that's her plan. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And she does it. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sure she was like, this is the one time I'll turn to violence and I'll never do it again after, you know, cause she thinks she lost her son, but she also got rid of Marco. So go girl, go. Yeah. <laughs> hey everyone. It's editing Shannon once again. Uh, now, unfortunately your listener responses are not going to make it into <laughs> this particular episode as I was editing it editing it i realized that this episode was already over two hours long even when i cut out moments where we stopped to discuss how much more we were going to you know cover and things like that it was still over two hours so to save you guys sitting here for like any more time i've decided to put the listener responses in the second part of the season six wrap-up which is dropping today as well, so you will not have to wait to hear them. 
just this episode is already really long. I don't want to keep you here any longer than I have to. So go ahead, hop on over to part two after the outro uh, to hear your listener responses. They will be in that episode. It's significantly shorter. So putting them in there will probably make it about as long as this episode, maybe shorter. I haven't gotten to editing it yet. So I'm going to be doing that while I'm 3D printing because girl got a 3D printer. Uh, But before I let you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for all the love and support you've sent to Fred and Andrea. Um, You know, things have been pretty tough for them and I I can't be with them, which is, uh, you know, not to make it about me, but tough as well. Um, So I I cannot thank you guys enough for everything you've you've said to them and sent to them um, because it means a lot to know that they have the the support that they um, are looking for right now. So thank you all so much. Um, I'm going to send you into the episode and you will hear your listener responses uh, in part two. So thanks again. See you in the next episode. All right. Anything else when it comes to Philip or Marco? Perfect. So now we get to our last character or characters. Um, so Kara and all of Laconia. Yeah. So how, do, how do we feel about that sweet, sweet girl? All she wanted was her brother back. She just likes science, man. She's just she's, like me. She's so curious. She's like, I am so curious about science that I'm going to give myself to it. Yeah. <laughs> Very devoted. <laughs> It's pretty interesting how quickly she became uh, attached to those dogs and had no fear for them and what they can do. So they fixed her brother Mm -hmm. and she had absolutely no animosity towards him or no, that's probably the wrong word, no fear of him like her parents did. And they turned on him so quickly, even though they loved and raised him for all the years that he was around mm-hmm. um they just couldn't i don't know either believe it or they couldn't trust in what the process was uh and just dismissed him out of hand i mean i again to be fair we're, we're pretty clear on the rules of death you know yeah <laughs> uh so i would be a little taken aback as well <laughs> if someone was suddenly not dead because as far as we're aware and we can't even technically prove this only like two people have done that and like like i said we can't prove they've ever done that like I'm talking Lazarus and Jesus baby. <laughs> we can't we can't prove that. So like here they are. They they lost their son. They're already on a weird planet. <laughs> their son somehow comes back to life like with weird would, funky eyes. Yeah, I don't know if I would trust it either because like again, people don't come back from the dead. Like that's not a scientifically proven thing. That's not something you should expect on your little vacation. <laughs> and then there he is. But they're would, on a new planet. Things yeah. are different. I still wouldn't expect the rules of life and death to change. But the <laughs> parents of of him should. I don't know. I, I just feel like they shouldn't have been so aggressively against it. I don't think they were against it. I think they were scared. They didn't understand it. 
And yeah, they're not oh, like Kara, who's a child, who is just like, my brother's alive. It's simple. It's like, wow, this is great. Like, it's not as simple for them. They're adults who are like, you know, we mourned our son. He's gone. And what is this? <laughs> Why is Kara just like chilling? This isn't right. This is like setting off alarm bells. Like, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't necessarily disagree with them. Like, it just, that's not how the, that's not how the world works on a normal day. Oh, that ends in Y. Our world, <laughs> but it doesn't matter. There, like I said, we have millions of years of of evidence that life is life and death is death. You're not the first proof that it's not true is obviously going to scare you a little bit. Well, okay. So on that topic, there's a lot of people that say they have seen the ghosts of their family and and whatnot, and they they accept that and um, they interact with the spirit realm. Um, believe what you will but so you, you take that to a certain degree yes maybe it's because they're scientists and they're hard set on what life and death is and they can't rationalize that you know their son has been brought back uh, of course and then it doesn't this is just the initial shock of yeah. seeing their son of course um doesn't show anything beyond um they don't like kill him again or they don't they just put him in a closet and run away. <laughs> like, I, I can't get over that they locked him in a closet. I'm sorry. That's the funniest thing to me. They Harry Pottered the guy. <laughs> that This'll work. But yeah, it just seems like a big overreaction and you would kind of expect, even though they were scientists, to be more, a little bit more scientific about it. I mean, maybe. I know I would have the crap scare on me because it's not like it's a cor- uncorporeal form. It's like a living being that can bleed. I daddy. Yeah, and that yeah, and he says I want to hug you. Like, bro, I didn't sign up for Chucky, okay? Like, I don't know. I just I I can understand why they'd be very freaked out in that moment when their emotions are already heightened because their son died and their daughter disappeared with their son's body. Yep. And the next thing they see them, suddenly the son is alive and weird and wants a hug and you don't have any time to process that you got to make a split second decision they were like put him in the closet just close your eyes and hug the guy (laughs) (laughs) just throw him in the closet throw the whole child in the closet (laughs) man it's just oh i know it's supposed to be serious but god that was funny yeah throw the whole child in the closet well, I mean, it, and once again, like, Kara's just like, eh, if I die, I'll be one of you, or I'll be just like you. It's just her acceptance of how crazy these things are. It's truly interesting. And and again, like, it would have been really interesting to see, like, would they go after them? Mm-hmm. Um, would the people from Laconia, after being told that their child is resurrected... Mm-hmm. go and search for them and what would happen what what is the end ending for Kara and her brother yeah and what what's going on with the spooky ship like yeah lots of unanswered questions on Laconia mm-hmm. maybe Laconia's heaven oh maybe maybe they're all dead we would really you know there are certain people who might appreciate Duarte actually being dead <laughs> yep instead of alive just saying just saying but i mean i think that forest set was gorgeous though yeah 
than the I, fact that it was actually on a soundstage. Wow. Wow. And the creepy birds. Wow. <laughs> All right. Anything else? No, I think uh, so. W- we ran way over time. Like we always do. So we're going to take a a chill pill. I'll probably release these episodes at the same time. But for your the ease of your listening, they will be broken up. Uh, So we'll we'll have more to say about season six, the x-ray content and all that jazz. Another another recording from now. Um, I'm trying to keep an air of mystery to it. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think uh, I think we talked about season six enough for one night. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, a lot of character stuff. So I'm pretty pretty happy with this episode. Mm-hmm. All right. So if this is the end of this particular episode, um, if you have any um, things to discuss in terms of characters, what you liked, what you disliked about the characters that we talked about, um, we would love to hear from you. You can find us online. You can email us at typebeam at randomchatter.com. You can also find us on Twitter at the typebeam. Um, you can find me on Twitter at catsbears. It's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. Um, Shannon, where can they find you? You can find me almost anywhere at shankbz. And Fred? You can find me on Twitter at Freddy Juan Kenobi. That's F-R-E-D-D-Y-W-O-N Kenobi. And you can also find our show and other shows, not just the Expands, on randomchatter.com. Help us spread the word. You know, we're going to have a little bit of a hiatus ahead of us. Uh, while, you know, some people go on maternity leave and all that jazz. So... While we're chilling, if you have any friends who are getting into the expanse or are looking for discussions about season six, send them to us. Tell tell them all about us. You can share our new episodes on social media and you can just tell your friends about us. But most importantly, please send leave us some reviews. You know, leave us some ratings on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, kind of help increase our exposure as well as our like, not reputation, But what people say about us, you know, let them know so that they can decide if we're a good enough show. And I think we're a great show, so. If we are worthy for their ears. Yeah. Uh, So final housekeeping things for this episode is all the music that you hear is Ursa Minor by Cell Dweller. And as silly as the sentence sounds, all trademarks are owned by the respective owners. So thank you for listening. Remember the can. Remember the can. Live long and prosper. Whoa. So Whoa. Oh no, not this again. 